Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. Michael and I will share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again?, For more information on Michael or myself or forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, your co-hosts, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. Hi, and welcome. Welcome to the show. This is Tuesday, July 26th, 2016. Our call-in number is 646-200-4169. Press 1, and that puts you in queue to talk to us. And we would love to hear your comments and your questions, because that makes this your show. This is Miracle Monday. Oh, no, it's not Miracle Monday. Boy, I'm a day off. We just got back to Heartland yesterday, and we've been working on getting our water and everything turned on. And so it's been a little bit busy this morning. Michael has just gone back out to the car to get his headset, so he'll be with us here in just a moment. If you're new to the show, or even if you're not, go to our website, www.whyagain.org, and click on the bullseye in the middle or the start here up in the top left corner. Both of those take you to the same place. And the first link there is uh, Chapter 24 of Michael's book, and then there's links to all of the forgiveness worksheets and then all of our other worksheets for all of the workshops. And then there, the third one is MP3s of radio shows where we've actually walked someone through step-by-step how to do the forgiveness process. So that's a good place to start, and there's lots of information on the website. Uh, you never get through all of it. Uh, and so that our forgiveness process is... You know, if you and I interact and I become angry, the world's taught us to say, but I forgive you for making me angry. That's pardoning, which is a nice thing, but it does nothing to address my anger. So true Aramaic forgiveness is I'm going to go inside and remove my anger so that no matter what's going on in my world, I can stay connected to who I am. And so that's what we're in the process of teaching. How do you do that? You have to remove everything that's less than love within you to get back to that state of being that we were all started out as, that we were all created to be, where we were created to live. So with that being said, I will just start out and say welcome, Dr. Tim. Welcome, Jeannie. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Welcome uh, back to Heartland. Yeah, yeah. uh, Things were in pretty good shape. We had a different method of closing the house up this past year and put things in bags and taped things up. And so it was in pretty good shape. All we had to do was get rid of cobwebs and spiders and dust bunnies. And so all the wood critters stayed outside this year. So that was a good thing. (laughs) 
Lovely. Yeah. So the first group of people will start coming for the 10 Days of Food Fund Forgiveness uh, this coming weekend. I think Ari's supposed to show up on Saturday, and then everybody else will show up either Sunday or Monday, and we go for 10 days getting the property in shape and and the cabins open and water heaters going and all that good stuff. And and then the week after that, we start with the nine-day why. So we are ready to rock and roll. And the floor in the in the kitchen looks good. Uh, we've got a couple people who are living here on property, uh, in addition to Julie, and they have been working on the kitchen floor, redoing the concrete and all of that. And I haven't been in it yet, but Michael is, and he says it looks really good. So later this week, we'll start putting kitchen stuff back out on the shelves and get it ready so that when Ari gets here it's ready to rock well I uh, I know you're going to have a wonderful time there it's not quite the digs you were in in Florida but the energy in Heartland is always very special and loving and everybody who's blessed to make it there is going to benefit from that I have experienced it every time I've been there. It's quite a, quite a place. So I encourage anybody who's wanting to take their work to the next level, as Michael says, to get out there to Heartland this, during this intensive period and take advantage of Michael and Jeannie's loving care and expertise and and the ability to just unplug. Because you're pretty unplugged out there. In the Ozarks. We're pretty unplugged. Yeah, and actually a much higher vibe than the one we had in Florida. So it's a, it's a, a definitely a sweet space. And uh, I'm delighted to be back here and getting ready to do the intensive season and see what, uh, what transpires, how things unfold. So we've got, uh, let's see, we've got the 10-day food fund and forgiveness that starts on August 1st and goes through the 10th. Then we do a nine-day, uh, August the 14th through 22nd. We had dinner with Magda last night, and she's like, you need to mention the names of the dates. You need to tell people what the dates are so they know how to put them on their calendar. So so why is this happening to me again? And thank you, Magda, for that little nudge, August 14th to 22nd. Three-day personal code evaluation. That's for somebody who's either completed laws of living or teacher's training or is going to do the laws of living coming up uh, later in the season. So we'll be doing a three-day, 25th, 26th, and 27th, teaching people how to interpret and use the personal code evaluation. And then the 16-day Laws of Living starts on August 29th through September 13th. And uh, so we're on that. And then it looks like we're probably going to head right back off to St. Louis and um, do maybe a week or two weeks of workshops in St. Louis. So lots of good stuff happening. Things are rocking along. It's going to be a small summer, so... Uh, anybody who's ready to do some really, you know, more personal work uh, with a smaller group, of course, there's more time and attention to individuals. So each uh, each size group has its own dynamic and its own energy. But with this having been uh, not been on the road this summer or this winter, it uh, certainly has uh, put a hole in the summer schedule. And, you know, I don't know what's happened since... 9-11, but it seems when we do a workshop locally and intensive locally, it just fills up overnight, but uh, getting people to travel seems to be a challenge. I don't know what uh, 
what the story is. But uh, in any event, we just keep moving forward and doing what it takes to take this to every mind, heart, and being on the planet. And, of course, your support in doing that is much appreciated. And uh, as far as a, a starting point for today's show, uh, I was contemplating or actually came out of a conversation with someone, and I, I thank people for their questions because the questions always lead to an opening in a space, and that's just uh, an awesome gift. But people who get lost in their fear, their anger, their rage, their hatred, their vengeance, their sadness, their grief, their loss, people who get stuck in it oftentimes are like, well, I just, I'm going to give up. I'm just, I, I can't do this. It's just not possible to work through this. And when you start doing your work, you know, there's a, an idea in the Aramaic that's called Satan and Satan, not being a dude with a red suit, a tail and a pitchfork, but rather in Aramaic is the resistor, one who misleads. And once we start opening, you know, the proverbial Pandora's box, once we open the lid to, what in the ancient scriptures was called the heart or the unconscious, then things start to move. And what moves manifests. What moves creates results. And so when we realize that those results are a product of what's moving in us, if we can drug ourselves enough, you know, take enough pills, use enough alcohol, enough junk food to keep those energies from moving, they seem to be hidden and life seems to be better but the, the cost of that is the disintegrative energy in the cell ages the cell and creates disease conditions um, prematurely. You know, we look at the culture and, you know, just, the, you know, we were was a young man, very fit young man, a friend of ours that uh, we just got a message just a couple of days ago. You know, he's in his 50s and fit and a runner and all that sort of thing. And he just dropped over dead, just, you know, bang, just like that. And uh, sadly, there's uh, more of that going on than needs to be if we would take responsibility for and start to move and open those conditions that create our sadness, fear, rage, guilt, grief, drama, trauma, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So recognizing there's just something that you can do about it, those energies can be removed. And in removing them, we can uncover the truth of who we are and you know, if you've ever held a newborn child, you know the truth of a human life. A human life is love. And when you recognize that the truth of each of us is that of conscious, active, present love, that truth gets covered up with generations and generations and generations of insanity. And it can seem like, well, if I just put a lid on it and I don't look and I have enough drugs or alcohol or sex or rage or whatever it is, then I'm going to you know, cope all right. But when I realize that those things are all simply anesthetics and things that keep me in a reinforce the dissociated state from my own inner condition, taking the time to go inside as unpleasant as it might be and as unpleasant the results it can create in the process. The more willing we are to move, the more we move towards support rather than away from support, the faster we go through that process, the faster we move and let loose of what doesn't belong. So those who never learn to be loved, to function as the presence of love, if we look at that quote, and we talked about this the other day of, of Yeshua, you know, that 
It isn't about love your neighbor, love God as you love yourself, but rather keeping a condition of rachma active in your mind. And when we don't keep that active in our minds, then we lose awareness of who we are, and we then tend to move or bounce from approval to disapproval. So, you know, people who get their daily dose of disapproval, you know, they call love approval. So when you're fulfilling all of my um, petty goals, then I'll say, I love you. You know, I have good feelings toward you. That resonates good things in me. And so I say that I love you. And that isn't even the slightest shadow of what love is. It's approval. It's like, gee, you're doing what I want. You know, when I did what I wanted for my power person, I got approved of. And so if you do what I want you to do, then I'll approve of you. But then the minute that, and and people don't realize how controlled they are by the world, they're driven by uh, or controlled by those outer circumstances. When someone says the wrong thing or, you know, doesn't meet one of our infantile goals, all of a sudden that triggers something different in us. And we say now, the person I loved, I hate and I have to get away from. And all of that comes from the state of non-being. And, you know, one of the number one pseudo solutions of the non-being mind is if I could just figure this out. Well, I'll just go figure this out, then everything will be okay. And I'd offer that you can't figure it out, but you can get into a space of support and the use of the tools and start to move through those things. If we never do that, and and looking at the Aramaic word sin, it's a really key concept that needs to be understood. And that word is an archery term. And the archery term is used when someone fires at the bullseye, misses the bullseye, hits the target but misses the bullseye, and they are off the mark. So the bullseye would be the mark. And so sin represents being off the mark in our lives. And you hear them the, uh, the scripture speaking about those sins being passed on from generation to generation. And that was not some kind of theological threat. That was simply saying, here's how the system works. You're an energetic being. Every thought, every feeling, every energy you engage in is stored holographically in every cell in your structure, including the sperm and the egg. And were you to conceive a child tomorrow, it would have it in structure, every thought you've ever thought, every feeling, every reality that you've ever engaged in, including the generations that have gone before us. So that idea of the sins of the Father being passed on, when we can't experience living as the active state of love, we're controlled by the dynamics of the generations. And when we're controlled by the dynamics of the generations, that in turn leads us to being controlled or apparently controlled by outer circumstances. Somebody does or doesn't do something. Somebody says or doesn't say something. Something follows the goal I have for them or doesn't. And if that triggers disapproval in me and I give up my human life to that disapproval, then I create a disease condition in myself and I then spray it or puke it on them. I may do it verbally. I may do it totally non-verbally. I may do it through physical action. I may punch somebody in the nose. And that's my sign of disapproval. Whenever I'm trying to uh, express through physical, mental, emotional, or verbal violence, it's a sign of my disapproval. 
And every time if I go back and look, I'll see that that disapproval and the behavior that goes with it is a replication of the past generations. So if we don't have access to anything other than what's in carbon-based memory, we'll seem to be pushed and pulled by all of the dynamics of the world and controlled by others' words and actions. If I choose to speak, you know, it's, it's like there's a whole hidden world waiting for those who engage in actual forgiveness and realize that, you know, the next time my infantile goals are frustrated, I could, instead of going around with a long face and puking on somebody, I could choose to function as love. Well, but Michael, that's not possible. Well, if you haven't used forgiveness, I understand why you might say that's not possible. I would offer that it is not only possible, but absolutely, completely reliable to reach that state if you do your work. So once you've reached that state, once you stand in that state, then instead of being controlled by external circumstance, instead of functioning as love and being in this bouncing back and forth from approval to disapproval and controlled by what others say and do, one now approaches the world from a conscious space that I am the presence of love. And when I recognize myself as the presence of love, when I choose to live as the presence of love, then I have the opportunity when someone does a behavior that brings some sort of disapproval up in me, some sort of hostility or fear, I have the option and the opportunity to recognize that that hostility or fear is my energy that's off the mark, and I can forgive that energy, and it's my energy that causes me to feel. And when I realize that, I can start to change all of the dynamics in the world within me. That's the space that I have the opportunity to change if I choose to change it. Now, if I say, no, it's their fault, that's why I'm feeling this, then sure enough, it'll appear to work that way. But it just isn't the truth. The possibility is that you can actually function as a true human being. Rudyard Kipling wrote a, uh, a really cool piece that just is right on track for this conversation, and I'd like to read it to you. And it goes like this. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you, if you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting too, if you can wait and not be tired of waiting, or be lied about, but don't deal in lies. Or being hated, but don't give way to hating. And yet don't look too good nor talk too wise. If you can dream and not make dreams your master. If you can think and not make thoughts your aim. If you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same. If you can bear to hear the truth you've spoken, twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools, or watch the things you gave your life to broken, and stoop and build them up with worn-out tools. If you can make one heap of all your winnings 
and risk it all on one turn of pitch and toss and lose and start again at your beginnings and never breathe a word about your loss. If you can force your heart and nerve and sinew to serve your turn long after they are gone and so hold on when there's nothing in you except the will which says to them, hold on. If you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue or walk with kings, nor lose the common touch. If neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you, if all men count on you, but not too much, if you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, yours is the earth and everything that's in it. And, which is more, you'll be the master of your soul. Powerful, powerful insight from Rudyard Kipling. Thank you, sir. What a gift. A vision of what a human life looks like. That we're not swayed. You know, if, if circumstance sways your state of being, then you've got work to do. If you and your generations have run away from that work, then your inclination will be to turn and run one more time. But if you stand up for your word and you live as a true human being in every circumstance, and when you can't, which all of us have moments when we can't, you stop and you go, I have tools. I have a tool for that. (laughs) I can work through that. Oh, here comes my rage. Here comes my guilt. I can face it. I can take the truth that this is mine. I can own and love the truth enough to see that this is mine, and I can then change this. Then you will be the master of your soul. If you think that circumstance is what causes you to exist, then you have no existence. It's another brief poem. I don't even know who penned this one, but it it says it in, in fewer words than Kipling did. One ship sails east, the other west, on the selfsame wind that blows. Tis the set of the sails and not the gales that determine the way she goes. We're here to support you. We're here to learn ourselves to be conscious co-creators of our lives. To set our sails in a direction and recognize that every frustration, every failure, every opportunity to learn forgiveness is in fact an opportunity to work through that which is out of place in me that sets me off in a direction that I really didn't think I was going or really didn't want to go. In my head, I said one thing, but I have this massive database. You know, you listen to yesterday and he says, take care of the heart for out of it are the issues in life. You notice he didn't say take care of the other guy. Take care of your children. Take care of your spouse. Take care of your parents for out of them are your issues. No, your issues come from within you. And if you grow to the point where you can own that, then find tools, use tools, find support, move toward the support instead of away from it, and you will at last become the master of your soul, a conscious co-creator. We're all designed to do that. Now, if you take a look at the world, you'll notice that the world is full of ways and tricks to keep us stuck in their dynamic 
to keep calling and taking from us our creative power and take it for themselves, whether it's through finances or work or whatever it is. And so this work is about freeing ourselves from generations and generations and generations of that insanity and coming back to the state of true being, living as the master of our soul and recognizing the person who's a master of their soul knows their purpose, fulfills their purpose, and moves forward in what life is really about. So that's what we're here to support you in. That's what we're here to learn. And uh, we're delighted that you're here to share with us. And uh, I'll just ask Dr. Tim. I was uh, not on the show for the first minute or two, so I'm not sure how your conversation went with Jeannie. But uh, anything exciting to report? Anything to share? Any uh, patterns that you're seeing today? Well, our interaction was brief, and I would just say that I, you're reading the poem If by Rudyard Kipling is one of the standard things I keep coming back to in therapy and one of the key lines in it for me is if you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same understanding that both the thought that I've triumphed or the thought that I am a disaster or I have failed are judgments and they're from ego and and it's just a little tiny little snapshot out of time it's not who I am it it doesn't define me and that's a huge piece for a lot of people to step into who haven't been introduced to that or nurtured to be in touch with their true self and um so thank you for reading that I always enjoy hearing that and I I feel blessed to be living in a time when so many of those things are available on the Internet. They're old, and so they are not. The copyright's no longer in effect, and we can get them, and we can print them off and read them and compare them. That one and the Desiderata are just have been favorites of mine for many years. And I always enjoy I hear you loud and clear. And just like your work, when I revisit them, I often get a new, deeper insight. So, sure. So, well, I, I suppose you, as you talk about, go ahead. Go ahead. Excuse me. No, no, I'll leave that thought. I was just going to say, in terms of themes, one of the themes that's come up yesterday and today is the concept of jealousy. And um, and and then moving into uh, you know if it strengthens to a certain point um, paranoia and for me what I've been trying to address with several people in the past couple of days is the concept of how if I am engaged in that process of jealousy or paranoia. Essentially, one way to look at it is, essentially, I have shifted almost completely over into focusing on things I have no control over. And I'm focusing almost no energy on things I can actually control. And fear is one of the main themes that's come up for people around the jealousy 
and of course it's easy to see in paranoia, but a lot of people don't realize that the root of their jealousy is fear. So um, so maybe you'd have some comments on that, jealousy and or paranoia. Well, just because I'm paranoid doesn't mean somebody isn't chasing me, though. This is correct. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, the jealousy is always based in fear. Somebody's got something better, more, and, you know, it's, it's another imposter when you put the emphasis on that part of uh, Kipling's poem about treating those two imposters as the same. To look at that from the perspective of this work is to recognize that each of those things are you know, triumph or failure are constructs of the mind. You know, at what point, for instance, would I go to a child who's learning to walk, falls on its butt, falls on its butt, falls on its butt, falls on its butt, and say, you, son, are now a failure. You will never walk, never get up and try again. I mean, that's just ludicrous. How does the child learn to walk? By falling on its butt. It's building brain cells. It's building muscle memory. It's learning how to stand up and how to walk. That's the process of learning. But we have this false construct, a conceptual framework, literally a perception that is constructed within our minds out of the brain cells that somebody built into us, usually a power person, that, oh, well, you're a failure. You'll never make it happen. There's obviously something wrong with you. You're broken, and nobody could ever fix you, and therefore, and on and on and on goes the game. So to recognize the reason why Kipling calls those two things, failure and triumph, imposters, is because all they are are constructs. You know, I obviously would never just, you know, I watched this child not achieve its goal 500 times, but I wouldn't in a million years call them a failure at walking. I'd say he's learning how to walk, different construct. I think it was um, Einstein that says, if you've never failed, it's because you've never tried anything. And it, and it takes stepping forward, and instead of labeling failure, failure is an imposter. That's a construct of the mind that comes from brain cells that are probably generational for the person who's stuck in them. And judgment of self not being good enough in failure is, is clearly, if somebody shows up that's got what I think I'm a failure for not having, then jealousy is going to step in. And, you know, the worksheet process would all be rooted in fear and judgment and power person dynamics in order to, to be free of those and to, uh, to recognize that most perceptual constructs of the mind are imposters. Rarely does a person in this culture in particular actually experience a construct in their mind that matches the actuality of the world. So we've got reality and actuality. The day that you do enough work to dissolve the constructs that are imposters and your mind actually constructs a picture world that actually matches what's going on in the actual world, you will have an enlightenment moment. You will have a moment of pure, true, whole body bliss, which we're designed to live in. You know, we all come in that way. Hold the newborn child and, you know, 
for people who say, you know, I, I want somebody to love me or somebody didn't love me or I'm supposed to love somebody, I love to ask them the question of, held a newborn? Yes. Describe the newborn. Love? Okay. Is the newborn loving you? No. The newborn is love. If I function as love, I can't have anything but successes. And I might fall on my butt 500 times while I'm learning to walk. And in any endeavor that I engage in, I might appear to, using the metaphor of falling on my butt, I might appear to do that. I might appear to fail, but that's not failure. That's just part of the process of learning to achieve a goal. And, you know, the the tools, the whole forgiveness process in particular, if there's something that blocks me from achieving that goal, then all I need to do is work through whatever those blocks are. Now, if I live on top of a thousand generations of people who have been emotional crippled, if I live on top of a thousand generations of people who have been so enraged in their lives and so pained and so traumatized that that's what I carry around inside of me, I'm just, I'm going to have to do the work it takes. And it's interesting, people, I, I see people all the time that get involved in the work, start to use and go, rah, rah, this is so cool, man, this is great. And so now I've got my whole life figured out. Now I'll go out and whip the world. And they come back with their tail between their legs and say, well, you know, obviously this was all wrong because, you know, it didn't all work out. It's like, you know, when you realize, you know, the scriptures talk about the sins of the fathers, that is the energies that are off the mark of the previous generations, are passed to three and four generations. That's 30 lives. Now, of course, where did the fourth generation back get their thoughts, their feelings, their realities, their guidance systems, but from the previous four generations? Who got them from the previous four? Who got the, the wonderful stuff is there, as is the trash. And if I find, you know, if I've been living a life where I've had a lot of trash, you know, relationship failures, pain, you know, trauma, uh, what have you, if I live in that world, then what that's saying is that my generations have probably contributed greatly to me moving in that direction. And when I start to open the veil, I'm not going to the first week, you know, oh, okay, I got it all figured out, I got it handled for the first month or the first six months of the first year. But I, it's interesting to see how many people shut down shop, turn tail and run away because, you know, in the first week they didn't handle everything in their lives. And just like the child is going to fall on its buck, a hundred, a thousand times before it learns to walk. And even after it's learned to walk, it'll be a year, two years, three years later, and it'll still fall on its butt. And five years later, it'll still have a fall. And 10 and 20 and 30 years later, it'll still have a fall. As you begin to do your work and clean up the generations, those falls are going to happen, those seeming failures. And if you label it as such, you're caught in an imposter, as Kipling so aptly put it. And if I choose to treat the imposters the same, that is, whenever I find myself triumphing, wanting, tri- feeling, you know, like, man, I got it handled, I got the world by the tail, and look out, world, I'm going to suck it to you, that's time for forgiveness. As, as Tim says, that's all an ego state. And what that is going to do when we get egotistical about it is it's clearly going to lead to a fall. when I can stay in that connected space and when I realize my mind is wanting to go, yeah, world, I'll get it. I 
for my next worksheet. That's my next piece of work. Until I can be in that state of being 24-7, 365, functioning as love, I've got work to do. And welcome to the non-human race, becoming human. So that's the direction we want to go. Jeannie, do we have anybody with a hand up or anybody in the phone queue or anybody in the uh, chat room, pardon me, with a question for us? Actually, it took me a little bit to get the chat room to open, but um, I think it's because I'm using my telephone as our Internet line. But, no, there's no conversation there, but I do have two hands up. Awesome. Let's say hello. First one is 910. You're on the air. Hey, Michael Give us a name. Where are you calling from? It's Susan. Oh, hey, young lady. Good to hear from you. How do you be? What's exciting in your world? Wonderful. I'm great. Thank you for asking. Um, and hi, Dr. Kim. I missed you last week. I'm glad you're back. Um, I only have a few minutes, and I'm, I'm kind of cheating because I'm, I'm working, but I wanted to say a couple things. Um, I love the conversation today. I love that quote that you read, and I'd like to have a copy of it, too. Read at Mind Shifters tonight if you have a chance and you can um, just shoot me a link to it or whatever. Just and if you don't, it's okay. I'll do it next week. If I know Jeannie, she's already got it in the notes. Beautiful, thank Although you. Although she's been anyway, having so what, troubles, but okay. Well, whatever works is will be fine. I'll, I will. I'll, it's it's cool. Um, I you can to also say just I have Google Rudyard Kipling. If I could spell, just Google Rudyard Kipling and R U D. Okay. R-U-D. I don't know. Yeah. Let me do it later. I I want to talk to you guys while I got a second. So I want to say I had a lady call me this morning and she FaceTimed me and it was was very interesting. She said, I need a Susan fix. And it was like, I like listening to her. What she needed was connection with love is what I heard a call for love. So I uh, I talked with her and um, she was, it appeared to have fear coming up and, um, and I talked to her about certain things going on in the world, and we all know what we're talking about, the fear and hostility that seems to be um, prevalent everywhere. Um, And it was just interesting because I was talking to her, and I said, you know, hold in a space of love. I know who you are. And I said, you are definitely connected to love and a light worker and healer. And I said, "Um, let's um, bring that to this situation. I believe that's the calling that we're asked to do right now that the shadow and the unconscious is being shown to us in an outward picturing, picturing for the whole country, for the whole world. And I said, uh, I just see it as an opportunity. And I went on to tell her about my mind shifter group, and I see it as a community of love. That's the way when I open, I say we are the community of love. I do the board where this is the non-being part of the mind. This is who we truly are, and our goal and is to get from here to there and live in the space of love, which we cancel our goal and just be love. But um, just getting the gist of that we're a community of love and that the laws of living class that I have coming up, I think has a perfect timing. And there's a part of me, because we manage the mind, that's what we learn in the laws of living, how to manage the mind, how to hold a space of love. We get lots of tools, lots of different um sheets that wake us up to love, and I was thinking, wouldn't it be nice? Now, my class is supposed to start in a couple of weeks, maybe a week from this Thursday, and I thought, wouldn't it be great if after this class I could have a support class once a week 
for everyone who's ever taken the laws of living, um, especially till the end of the year. Uh, because I, I, I think that to, would be awesome. Wouldn't it be great? And then I was thinking, you know, we talk about the vitality meter as being a 10, and we drive it down by doing sugar, doing rage, drugs, whatever it happens to be. We drive it down to a 5 so that we can uh, gate out the parts of the uh, pain that we're feel, we, we have in us, really. And when we come together with another individual, it goes up to a 10, and then all hell breaks loose. That's on one of the DVDs. But I was thinking, so when we come together as a group, we're taking 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, however how many we've got there, and we're combining it to a really high vitality where we can heal and let go of a lot of the non-being mind. And this is just, it seems to me, it's a perfect setup uh, for us to do some major work on a, um, a group conscience level for everybody. And once I got that across to her, and that was a conversation that we had, um, I could feel her shift, you know, into a place of power, which is where love is, and um, as an opportunity. So she said she would be at the Mind Shifter group. She lives about an hour outside of town. But anyway, it, it was just really good for me to get clear on my thoughts because I'm just doing my normal day-to-day work until she calls me. And it was like, this is just a great, you know, and I've been seeing it like all night last night. I was kind of like tossing and turning and thinking, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, you know, looking at Facebook, which I don't need to be doing in the middle of the night. And I was thinking, then when I woke up this morning, it's like Ruka, and that's what I would do. I'd say, Ruka, show me. And I think that whole, you know, you're getting ready to do the laws of living. And I just think that, and at Heartland, I was thinking to myself, I need to fly out there and just spend a few days the three-day uh, evaluation thing, just to to be with those crystals. I mean, it's a great opportunity to let go of what doesn't belong. So I was just going to put a plug in and say, anybody that can get the time off and can get the funds to go, it would be phenomenal for the planet uh, to, for us to, to let go of another big layer that's being mirrored so that love can show up. And I'm sure love is showing up right now, so I'm going to have faith in that. So I'll stop there, Michael, but that's what I wanted to say. I'm just really excited. Awesome. Awesome. You're you're right on track. (laughs) As I'm sweating here in North Carolina with the heat index above 100. (laughs) Oh, really? It cooled cooled down to 80 last night. That was funny. Um, That was nice. it's an interesting time to uh, to be in North Carolina. I mean, everybody is kind of looking at each other like, what's going on? But it's very humid. It's very warm. And the heat index advisories are out for everybody. I think we're going to get to over 100 this coming uh, weekend. And my grandbaby is coming. I'm so excited. I'm going to get to have grandbaby time and get to babysit while my son and his girlfriend take off and go to Myrtle Beach. So... Very, very excited. Yes. Well, for anybody that wants to get to cool down, come to Heartland. It's 83 degrees today. So we're we're getting some cooler weather. Yeah, I'm done with that. Congratulations. Say again? I lost you. I said I'm complete. Thank you. I'm going to get back to work here. Oh, cool, cool. Well, I want to acknowledge you a week from Thursday. Anybody that's in the uh, Wilmington, North Carolina area, Laws of Living starts a week from Thursday, an eight-week class, and uh, 
the personal code evaluation changes we're seeing every time you do a class are just phenomenal. And so I would want to encourage anybody that's in the Wilmington, North Carolina area to uh, avail themselves of the, uh, the support and the process that uh, you create. It's awesome. And what would be the best way for somebody to reach you if they wanted to, uh, to register for your class, Susan? Well, um, I don't know. What do you think? You think phone number? You think uh, email? Oh, either sure. way. Sure. Um, if you want to give um, either or both out, that would be awesome. Well, my email is awaken, the number two, the letter B as in boy, and the letter N as in Nancy, at gmail.com. Awaken to BN. Uh-huh. At a- gmail. A-W-A-K-E-N, the number two, the letter B as in boy, N as in Nancy, at gmail.com. Or you can uh, look me up on Michael's Facebook page. I'm sure I've liked a dozen things he likes. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Cool. And maybe it'd be best to just leave your phone number. Yeah, leave your phone number out of it. If people want to reach you by email, then they can send you a phone number. You can call them and communicate, get set up. That's awesome. It's just fabulous to watch what you're doing. Thank you, thank you. Well, I'll give my number. It's 910-547-2255. 910-547-2255. I welcome the calls anytime. Awesome. Very cool. Well, thank, thank you, you for thank the you impact so much. you're having and holding the space for the world. It's definitely an idea whose time has come, and the shadow side is up big time on a whole on a global scale for sure. Absolutely. I think so, too. I think it's a great opportunity. Instead of seeing it as a fearful thing, it's a a momentum swing of um, opportunity to clear what doesn't belong and to see it and to acknowledge it. You know, I have blockage of truth. I'm noticing the window. It's like the shades going up on the window, and I'm beginning to see things about myself that I haven't been able to see before. And, um, of course, as long as I'm in denial of it, I can't change it. So maybe Precisely. that's true for the world too. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, I'm getting off. Very I'm cool. Leaving you guys alone. I'll listen. All right, young lady, have you. a blessed one. All right, bye bye. Good luck with the class. We hold the space. So, Jeannie, you got another caller for us? I do, and it's area code eight zero eight. You're on the air. Who do we have? It's Roma. Good morning. Well, good afternoon. Hey there, young lady. How are you? Yeah, we're yeah, having a morning there. Proof yeah. is all the illusion. <laughs> yeah, uh, Susan was magnificent. Wow, she's beautiful. And I love her email address, awesome Awaken to Being. Yeah. yeah, great. Yeah, she's doing some awesome work so, in Wilmington, really impacting that community Wilmington for several Delaware. years now. Uh-huh. No, no, Wilmington, North Carolina. Oh, okay, Wilmington. Wilmington, North Carolina, North Carolina. yeah. Great. Well, it's been a beautiful call so far this morning. I appreciated the Rudyard Kipling and and uh, hearing what the name of it was, if it was kind of an obvious name, but uh, yeah. So um, I just wanted to share. Uh, I uh, saw my acupuncturist yesterday, and um, the uh, wound that was sitting in my liver and gallbladder he can't even find it anymore. And, uh, oh, right. Yeah, I walked out of his office yesterday feeling 
healthy, feeling well. It was such a wonderful, it's the first time in six months. So he gave me some very, he gave me, uh, prescri- he, he gave me some herbs. He's a, he's an uh, Oriental doctor, Chinese trained. Right. And right. Uh, so I came home. I was supposed to take this uh, tea uh, uh, four times yesterday, every two hours, and I made it, and I drank it, and I got sick as hell. Oh my God, did I get sick? Symptomatic. I got eh? nauseous and my head ached, and oh lordy. And so, of course, I called detox. the doctor's office. Huh? Sounds yeah. like detox. Yeah, total. It was amazing. Oh, and uh, but I was so I called him, and he. Uh, um, let me see. Uh, he said, "Go to bed." <laughs> I said, "Do I need to take the next three cups?" And he said, "No, go to bed. You're you're okay for today." <laughs> oh, and so I went to bed. And I was trying to go to sleep, and I realized I couldn't. I I I I had to call this person that I dearly loved. So I made the phone call and left a message. Couldn't couldn't reach this person, and uh, got a a a voice text said, "I'll call you right back." So I'm lying here on the couch, and unable to move. And uh, waiting for the phone to ring. And after a minute or two, the whole old pattern in me of abandonment started coming up. I have like, Perfect. you know, that's, that's been my life pattern is abandonment. And the phrase came to me, I cancel my need to be right. I cancel Ooh. my need to be right. I just kept saying that to myself over and over and over again, and I kept my head above water. And then the phone rang, and the minute the minute I answered the phone, it was you know the presence of love supported, and uh, I was so proud of myself that I thought of that phrase. I cancel my need to be right. You know, I, I've always thought that that was so brilliant that that's on the worksheet because. We don't realize it when we're falling, that it's our, our ego's need to be right in our, assumption, in our mistaken, corrupt assumptions right. about how life is. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I just want to share And we abandon we ourselves. You know, the, the ultimate abandonment to be dealt with is when yeah. we built an identity out of our power person dynamics that was false. And we gave up relationship with love, the pure bliss in physiology that we started out with, and we traded in. This is the fall from grace that's spoken about in the ancient teachings. And so when I buy into this false self, I give up my relationship to bliss and to love, and that's painful. That, that moment is a moment of self-abandonment and of some of the deepest rage that anyone will ever experience. And it is the dismantling, and there's the canceling part, the forgiveness part, literally dismantles that self. When Yeshua says, in order for you to live, you've got to die, that false self has to go. And it sounds like from what you're saying that some of the other worksheets you might want to do, being important, being accepted, being cared for, being needed, 
I'd be working on all of those issues. To, they're all the, the tentacles that will support this construct, this imposter of abandonment. And the imposter of, ah, when somebody calls me and affirms me, then it's okay. That's another imposter. Mm-hmm. So as yeah. you cancel those things and dissolve them both, then the self that isn't you dies, and the truth of being lives. So you said do worksheets on being important, being accepted, being needed. There was one more, I think. Important, accepted, needed, cared for, cherished, honored, treated lovingly. You know, and anything around those, that whole arena of thought would key in and start to dissolve the tentacles of that thing that can grab you by the face until right. the, imp- the imposter just has no power left because you've, you've removed every driver for it in your system. And when you remove right. the drivers, the goals, it just collapses. Yeah. It just it gets exposed to love. Right. Bink, that one's gone. Bink, that one's gone. Bink, yeah. that one's gone. Yeah, it was, it was oh. a real challenge to be so sick, <laughs> you know. That was, my, that was uh, me at my weakest <laughs> Yeah, Great. and you might want to shift into. Uh-huh. It, it was a real challenge for me to be that symptomatic, and uh-huh. allow that deep in issue to surface. Yeah, because that's Again. what's desirable is getting to uh-huh. that, and it's not sick at all. Uh-huh. You know, if there are four things that will tell you when you're symptomatic if you're sick. Mm-hmm. If if your answer is on target for these four things, you're never sick. The first question you ask yourself is. Have I been doing more and more of the right things? If my answer is yes, that's one check mark that this is not sick, this is symptomatic. Second mm-hmm. thing is, just before these symptoms occurred, had I hit a new level of vitality. Here, I walked out of his office feeling healthy. Right. That's called vitality. That's the second <laughs> check mark. Oh, this isn't mm-hmm. sick, this is symptomatic. Third thing is, what's happening with my elimination? Well, here I am sweating, the elimination is cranked up, things are moving. That's the third check mark that this is a symptomatic process, not sick. And then you might want to look at, and you know, perhaps uh, one of your drugs that you've used in the past from the pattern you're talking about is approval. Remember I talked earlier about approval, disapproval, bounce between the two? So one of your drugs very likely is approval. And so when that person reaches the phone, ah, there I am, I'm approved of and, and I well, anesthetize you, myself you, with that. Would you call love a drug? Love? No, I would not call love, love a drug. Communing with another person and experiencing love in the pagra, is that a drug? No. If I'm experiencing mm. the truth of my being, which is love, yeah. nothing to do with a drug. But mm. if I make the phone call and somebody isn't instantly returning it to show that they approve of me, and love yeah. me and all those other things we just suggested, then, uh-huh. yes, that is a drug. Uh-huh. And that's uh-huh. where I want to let go of those things. So, but what happens is the fourth check mark that will tell you that you're symptomatic as opposed to sick is uh-huh. you're craving the drug that you previously used in order to anesthetize these feelings. So as the old pattern breaks up, and it sounds like a pattern that was stuck in your liver, as that pattern breaks up, then one of the things that comes out of the dissolution of the crystals that hold that energy is, you know, I didn't get enough approval, I didn't get enough approval, I didn't get enough approval, and and so the desire for approval, oh, that's what I need in order to feel better. No, it, it really that was abandonment. It was the night, as you were talking earlier, it was the night that my 
my mother took the, her three children from Arizona to Colorado. And I looked mm-hmm. around the bus and I said, where's daddy? And the answer mm-hmm. was, he's not coming. And the next thing, I, yeah. and then I was, as a, as a, as a five-year-old child, I was down banging against the doors of the bus demanding to be let off right. because I Let was not going to abandon yeah. my father. So that was yeah. it. That was it. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, soften, um, soften into that breath. Just take a second. Let your mind, let your mind be still for me. And just soften yeah. into that breath that wants to lock yeah. this energy into your body. Ooh. Notice where the oh. energy is moving in your body. My lungs. Probably it's, liver. It's moving in my lungs. lungs. And that's mm. what we're okay. talking, it's what we're healing is the lung disease. Cool. Oh, God. So this oh. is called symptomatic, not sick. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. But I can, if I don't understand what's going on, I can, yeah. I can turn it around and make it into sickness. Uh-huh. So yeah. remember, you were given the power. At, at you listened to the story of creation, and the creator said, "And I'm going to give you the power to name it. You can make anything, anything you want it to be. Be careful what you name it, because it's going to be that for you." So as I recognize, oh, yeah, these four things are true. I'm symptomatic. I'm not sick. Then I can step into a deeper level of willingness. Keep. The energy moving and just move through it. Come out the other side. It's an awesome gift. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved Susan's uh, Susan's idea of coming for three days. Um, that might well, we've got a three-day tr- training for the um, personal, personal code, code evaluation. evaluation. But that's for someone who's teaching. Would that be? Tw- Pardon me. If I did, if I came, would it be twenty-five dollars for me? Twenty-five dollars for a, what? It would be a hundred and it would be a lot of money. Hundred and oh God, only knows how much I can't remember. But anyway, it would be the airfare plus. What would? What? what, what well, how could I? Heartland basically is a hundred and seventy-five a day for food, accommodations, workshop, workshop. Oh, okay, everything. okay, okay. Totally so it would be hundred and seventy-five so, for three days plus just, twenty-five. It just notified me we're down to ten seconds. So I think it cut off. Oh, okay. And the best year yet okay. of your eternal life. Blessings, honey. All right, aloha.